Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This week, we're going to do some more student questions. So these are all questions that were submitted by former attendees of CSM and CSPO classes. And today, I am joined by Matt Fisher and Tom Churchwell. Gentlemen, thank you for taking time out of your afternoon, and Matt, for taking time out of your day off. <laughs> thank you. Good to be here. So what do you do with your day off? Um, so far, I have been... Working? Working, yeah. So it's funny how that works out, isn't it? Yeah, it does. It does seem to work out that way. All right. So, so Tom and Matt are both enterprise uh, transformation consultants at Leading Agile. But um, Tom, why don't you go first? Maybe you can talk a little bit about the work that you're doing. uh, If you can talk around it without giving anything critical away. Uh, Yeah. So, enterprise transformation is uh, basically looking at how to help organizations adopt Agile. Uh, not just the practices, but vertically, how to help the organization actually make change that can last. All right, cool. And Matt, how is that different from the work that you do and from your background? Uh, it's not much different. I do all that plus technical practices as well. So Tom tends to handle a lot more of the organizational and we handle more of the team level stuff, but we also do some of the product manager stuff as well. Cool. All right. Well, guys, thank you both for doing this. So for those of you listening, we're going to go over these questions. Um, The guys have picked out the questions, but we haven't really prepped it. And I should also let you know that based on the courage of these gentlemen, one of the questions they picked, they picked because we're not really sure what's going to happen when we go into (laughs) it. So hopefully we'll we'll come out. It should be fun. Yes. Hopefully we'll we'll come out unscathed. Um, But we'll start with with the more with maybe the more basic one. So uh, a question submitted from a student was, how do you see the way companies, after long years of waterfall, trying to move to Agile in a few weeks? So the, the years huh? of waterfall, decades of waterfall, they want yeah, to be yeah. Agile like in a couple most weeks. Most organizations, they've been doing waterfall for a really long time, and then they're looking at, uh, at whether or not they're getting the return or they're able to do things the way that they need to in a world that keeps changing, right? Yep. Uh, so, uh, they look at something like agile and, and a lot of times I look at this and I say, are they speaking of agile or are they speaking of scrum in particular? Because a lot of times people equate the two, right? Yep. Um, and especially since this is a question coming from a scrum master's course, um, I, I guess I have to, you know, try and qualify. Are they really talking about agile adoption as an organization or are you talking about someone who's come out of a scrum course and they're like equating scrum with agile and saying how do we how do we get this scrum thing in place in a couple of weeks is that right well i'm very careful about explaining the difference between difference between agile and scrum in the class Um, yeah usually when they come in they think in terms of transformation i would say that you're fairly accurate in the idea that when they talk about agile transformation they're often talking about adopting Scrum, and I would assume I it could go either way. I would assume this person is more leaning towards that camp, just based on the, yeah. the nature of the question. But what they're asking is, in a couple weeks, they want to switch yeah, over to so Agile what, in a couple weeks. Saying, yeah. So what I heard when I when I when I read that, what I heard was, "Hey, we're going to take this journey of a of a thousand miles. You know, the key is you know to take the first steps. What are the first steps?" And that's that's basically what I'm hearing out of the question, right? Is what are the very first things that I want to do when I go back? I get on the ground with my team. I'm going to bring people together and say, "Hey, I learned some new stuff. Uh, we're going to start to implement it." And and they're asking basically, "What are the first steps? What are the first things that I want to talk with them about?" Right? Okay. And in my mind, I go back to the team and I, and I say, "Listen, there there uh, there are three fundamental areas that we need to get things 
kind of moving in a different way. We need to get really clear on, on, on how work gets into the teams, how it gets clarified, uh, how it gets elaborated, and how it gets sized so that we can actually consume it. Uh, then we need to get the team together and make sure that we've got all the roles, all the tools, all the things that are necessary to do the job. And then we, we need to get really clear on what does it mean to be finished? What does it mean to be done? Uh, and then uh, there are some practices that we want to introduce over the course of a sprint or whatever our cadence is going to be. And some of those practices at the beginning are really focused on that work. How do we make sure we've got really good elaboration? We've got good stories. There's some formats that we're going to learn that are going to be different about how we take work into the team. Uh, and then we're going to have some practices throughout the week that allow us to keep pace or keep track of how work is progressing. And then at the end of it, we're going to show what we did. And hopefully when we show it, and it might not work you know, like the first few times, but our goal ultimately is to be able to show something that is working, that's, that is tested, and it works end-to-end -end vertically. So those are the three things that I would say are the keys to getting started. Okay. Uh, but recognize in all three of those areas, there's a whole lot more that you can do. And, and, and over time, you want to up, you know, up level the maturity of the team. Okay. All right. Yeah. So hold on, Matt, before you go, I want to, I want to just preface this. I want to let people know that Tom is one of the most optimistic, <laughs> happy people that I know. Yeah. And I when Matt be. and I talked about this question previously, <laughs> we both, it kind of broke down into snarky laughter because I think we both read this question as some executive says, run down to the corner and pick up a box of that agile, get that put in here in the next three weeks. Yeah. I want to be agile yeah. in three weeks. So, so for the yeah. less optimistic side, Matt, you get to play that role. Oh, that's my favorite <laughs> role to play. All right. What do we do with that, um, that executive? Is... What do we say to push back? <laughs> well, uh, we what we say to that executive is really Agile is really my, kind of a mindset. So what Tom described, I think described beautifully, is you know an implementation of how we could create a structure that would give us some sort of Agile framework. Okay. Uh, and typically we lead with that structure when we're moving a large organization. So actually achieving some kind of agile state in a few weeks, I don't really see as something that's possible in a large organization. But as Tom mentioned, you can definitely start with the structure and begin to work towards the mindset. Uh, but it's not really a state, right? I mean, you're not really going to ever achieve agile in the same way. You're never really going to achieve perfection. It's just a mentality of how do we become more agile in the market. So that's Don't my two you think cents. You can achieve. I mean, to me, um, I'm trying not to talk about food because Mike always makes fun of, me, fun of <laughs> me for that. But I do think of it like, you know, a company getting in into a state of agility is sort of like a person who's not exercising, getting in shape. Yeah. You're not going to just I mean, you could just like cram in to be able to run like a 10K or something like that. Yeah, you're you not going to go run a marathon right, right. off the bat. Right? And if yeah. you want a, right. a lasting change that will impact your lifestyle, it's not something that's going to happen in three weeks. There's a lot of like more subtle building blocks you have to work your way into this. Or you're going to pull a muscle and you're going to be one of those, oh, Agile doesn't work people. Yeah, but I, I like the journey metaphor that you're coming up with, right? Whether it's a marathon or, you know, like, you know, the, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. Yeah. Either way, I think when we talk with executives, we need to help them just understand that there's a jumping off point and, and help 
I think with executives to clarify that there is a significant difference between doing agile and being agile. The, uh, the organization is really out for, you know, out for the outcome of actually being able to be agile. They don't really care what the process is. In fact, they right. don't even care what it's called, right? Agile is just this, this made up word that doesn't, doesn't matter what they care about is, is that they're able to have more confidence in what gets produced, more confidence in the teams making commitments and more confidence that their customers are going to be satisfied with the results. And the ability to shift within the market, right? I mean, that's the yeah. whole idea of being able to test things, which in a typical waterfall organization where it lasts for years, you can't do. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree with your perspective. So how important do you guys think it is that, uh, and this I'm, I'm asking this because it was something that I was kind of pushing when I spoke at the Digital PM Summit a few weeks ago, um, that for, for a digital agency that wants to transform to Agile, um, one of the first questions they have to answer is why, because this is going to be painful. Like if you want to go run that marathon or you want to get in shape, why? Towards what end? Um, do you think that's mm -hmm. important for more traditional companies to have that established so that when they hit the tough spots, they can reflect back and say, look, you know, this is where we want to get to. There's some pain along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think unless you have the final vision in mind of you want to be able to be test things in the market and quickly adapt to market conditions, you know, you want to uh, prioritize accomplishing work over politics or over uh, bureaucracy or over whatever else, over locally optimized systems. If you don't have that in mind, I don't see it as a possibility to reach an agile state. Um, it is a very painful thing to do. Uh, you really have to rip out parts of the organization and realign them, and it's kind of traumatic in a way. Yeah. So without the long-term view and the long-term goals, um, it's a very difficult thing to get through. And actually, worst-case scenario is you fail halfway through. Uh, once an organization kind of fails a transformation, I mean, you can try again, but it kind of becomes harder um, just because morale becomes low and There's more uh, the it's yeah, like, there's it's more like resistance. taking half your antibiotics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's so, a good metaphor. <laughs> yeah, that is a good metaphor. So, hey, have you have you ever uh, talked with David Hussman, Dave? Brian? I have. I have not. I know his name, but no, I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah, David Hussman is brilliant, and you know we're all standing on the shoulders of the giants, right? And he, in my mind, is you know one of the one of the giants. He had. He came out and worked with us a while a while back, and and he oh he also spoke at the Agile and Beyond conference okay uh, several years back too, and you know he was the dude I don't know if you've ever heard he's got this this thing dude's law, and uh, dude's law is uh, is ba it basically boils down to uh, what equals why over how, and and the reason that he talks about that is just just what you were saying here you know that. Both of you guys were talking about how you know how painful and how hard it is to do this. And if you don't have a really good reason for putting yourself through all of this pain, yeah, when the going gets tough, you're going to bail on it, right? It's you know if you're if you're you know how to do it is so overwhelming and your why is so small, you know if 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 the only reason that you're doing this is because an executive read about it on a you know on, on, on an airplane. airline magazine, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're you're not going to have the you know, you're not going to have the gumption, the, the, you know, the, the tenacity to stick it out and, and make a transformation happen. It's just not going to happen, it, it, you know. And, and if, if your why is so small as that is, hey, they told me to do it, yeah. then you're, it's just not going to happen. Cool. All right. This is good stuff. I appreciate you guys doing this. Now, the big confusing <laughs> question. 
how does a scrum master correct a development team member? So this is somebody who's brave enough to send this in because this is something that I harp on pretty hardly, pretty hard in class. Um, that you know, as a scrum master, I'm I'm not going to say too much about it, but I would like to see how you both react to the idea of a scrum master correcting the behavior of a member of a development team. And for those listening who may not be super familiar with Scrum, when we say development team member, that doesn't mean developer. It could be anybody on the team. So they might be a programmer, they might be designer, they might be QA, they might be a lawyer, they might be a marketing professional, anything. So, Yeah, it gets tough. I mean, it's hard to get to the root of how to answer this because there's not a lot of context that you're providing, right? It's just um, when, when you talk about correcting someone, I really don't know what it is exactly that they're doing wrong. There's an element, I think, where teams uh, teams get together when they're first formed and they start to kind of come up with what are the memes and the norms that we're going to have. And they put that together in a, in a working agreement. And it and, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the context of this person needing to be corrected is, but I, I, I do uh, I do caution people. Um, when when we look at, you know, if there was only one way to do this, it would not be called agile. It would be called static. Right. So it's uh, it, it's 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 really important to not to not just assume that I know the right way to do things and that I am even authorized to go and correct somebody. Um, you know, part of being on a team is learning from each other. And if you've got a working agreement or you've got something that the team has said, this is the way that we're going to do things and someone doesn't do that. I think those are easy corrections because all you do is you say, hey, let's look at the working agreement again and make sure that it's still appropriate. Make yeah. sure that we don't need to make changes to it. And by making you know something else the problem rather than the person, it makes it easier to have a conversation that is you know it's not a, an attack on somebody. I do think it's crucial to have these confrontations, right? It's it's crucial to be forthright and courageous and 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 bring it up and talk to each other, but you don't want to do it in such a way that you're attacking the person. Okay, makes sense. It does, and it it does make sense. And Matt, bring the pain. <laughs> bring the pain. <laughs> um, this question kind of popped out at, to me because I agree a hundred percent with Tom. I think he made a very important point of going back to the working agreement. This whole concept of correcting. Uh, a team member kind of predisposes that you know the correct behavior or the thing that they're supposed to be doing, which yeah. isn't how this is really supposed to work, right? right, right. Uh, if I'm a scrum master, if I'm a servant leader, my job should really be to facilitate how the team can overcome what problem is currently existing, right? So if someone's coming in late every day, well, how can we help them come in on time? You know, it's not necessarily an issue of, um, I don't know, I, I guess I take issue with uh correcting someone's behavior in that way so that was my two cents so i, I do one of the things i say in the class is that um the job of the scrum master is primarily the job of being a social engineer and you can never tell people what right. to do or how to do it but your job is to figure out how do i get them to want what i want them to want without telling them what i want them to want so yeah it's this sort of subtle art of Manipulation isn't the right word, but if I no, want, no, it, I, I want to help someone have an idea that might the make best their work I, better. Best ideas win, though, right? It's it's not about my idea or your idea. It's it's let's get to the best idea for the team. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think so. This question though uh, speaks to one of the biggest challenges that I think any uh, any organization, any team has, 
How do we handle conflicts? Uh, 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 and, and I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, we're, we're going through a process where we're trying to figure out what, you know, what are the different tools that would be appropriate. And the, and the thing is that everybody has an opinion because we're on teams with really bright people, right? right. Really bright people. Uh, and there's always a challenge. And whether it's a small challenge or, or something big, like what tool set should we move to? Um, there's going to be a conflict about that. And one of the, uh, you know, I, I work with, uh, I work with Chris Beal, who's, who's also at leading agile and worked with him for years and years. And he's, you know, he's got this approach to, uh, having the teams foster their own self-organization skill set okay. by making those decisions as a team. So whenever we have some conflicts or some challenge like that, um, bringing it to the team and allowing the team to go through that decision-making process where everyone gets on board and they make that decision together. Um, and I think that that's a metaphor for kind of the approach that we want to get to when we're trying to be agile rather than do agile. Yeah. We, we want all of those decisions to be made at the lowest level with the team as a team, right? Rather than be, you know, be someone who is a scrum master who's telling everybody what they should be doing, which is another word for being a manager, or pointing out what they're doing wrong, which is another word for being a manager. The scrum master role is a lot more like what Matt was saying. It's a servant leader role. And what their job is to do is to reveal how the team can do things better, not so much manage how how teams are doing what they do. So I, I think oh, – go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I think, uh, Tom, again, I think you brought up a really good point. Uh, to me – uh, it's bringing the right problem to the team, right? So it's not necessarily correcting a behavior. It's what is the right problem that we're trying to solve now? You know, whether that is our working agreement is accurate or um, whether that is, um, you know, certain there's certain frictions within the team. How can we bring the right problem of those frictions to the front? Maybe. Um, so I, I want to play a role for a second and see how you guys would respond to this from a coaching perspective. Um, I am, I am constantly trying to help protect people from the former version of myself, like back when I came out of the waterfall and I, and I thought I, I was pretty sure I had agile and I was going to make sure they did it right. Um, mm -hmm. so in that capacity, when I started working as a scrum master, you know, I, I knew what people needed to do and I knew how I needed them to do it so that they were going to do scrum the right way. Um, and I had never worked in a world where, you know, ask the team what, I mean, that's, that's ludicrous because they're idiots. Like I, who's going to tell them to put on their pants if I don't do it. <laughs> Suddenly I'm like, well, what do you feel like wearing when you walk outside today? That's not going to work out. So how do you coach somebody or, or how would you um, encourage someone to try to coach themselves down off that ledge if they came from a very directive command and control background where trust and letting the team decide things is, I mean, just not a natural thing. Yeah. So I, I spent, uh, I spent the first part of my life in the army. So there's a little bit of command and control that I've been exposed to, uh, <laughs> With, that was Tom's version of sarcasm th for those of you throughout <laughs> my life, right? So I was, yeah, I was born in the army, and then I retired in the, in the army, and so I, I've, I've spent a lot of time in command and control environments. There's a so uh, so the the first thing that I try and do is I try to get to the intrinsic motivation of that person, uh, and, and and there's uh, there's a story that I attempt to weave with people about where we want to go versus where we are. 
And if we're in a if if we're a command and control background, I talk with people about being a leverage of one. If I'm having to tell someone and everyone how to do everything, uh, how leverageable am I? How valuable am I to the organization? If, on the other hand, I can create teams that are autonomous, that can execute on their own, and have the knowledge to do it without me around, that frees me up to have a higher and more valuable impact on the organization. And then, of course, people say, yeah, but how? And, and there's, a, there's a whole series of like books we can talk about, Turn the Ship Around, right? There's all kinds of stuff that we can talk about around servant leadership and, 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 and doing things differently. But we have to open up in the person the desire to do so first. Yeah. And that's, that's the direction that I, I look to go. Okay. And Matt? Um, I don't know. I think, I think this is a really challenging situation. And I think one word that kind of came up, uh, that I think is really important is trust, right? Um, how do you trust your team? How do you trust the people you work with? And I think, I don't know. It's something I've been thinking about a lot actually in recent weeks. And I'm wondering if it has something to do with expectations, right? Are your own expectations, perhaps different? Are, are, is someone doing something you view incorrectly because your expectations may be incorrect, you know, or maybe your expectations are too high, or maybe your expectations are different uh, for that team member than what that team member thinks their expectations are, you know, even for themselves. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting question worth diving into because I don't really know that I have an answer for the how. I think Tom is 100% right and first that you need the motivation. But, you know, as far as the how, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, to me, to me, there's two sides. I think everything you guys said is is dead on. I just, from having been in that role, I think what Tom, what you said about unlocking the thing where they want that change, that's mm-hmm. a big part of it. But it's like, I didn't, I remember being in that state and not even having the concept that change was possible. Like it wasn't uh-huh. on the table for me. And so it was like, you know, there'd be some agile coach going, no, man, it's going to be great. You just let the team ask the team, dude. The team knows. The team. <laughs> I was like, the team is not even sober at lunchtime. <laughs> you know, how are they going to make decisions? And um, it was, it was, it wasn't so much I found, and still to this day, it's, it's never seems to be about the people on the team. It's always about me and my own issues and my own <laughs> hangups and my fear. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but as you went through, and so I, I'm assuming that you've you've gone through some evolution on this, right? I mean, and as you did, uh, wasn't it wasn't it kind of like a, a two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step it back still kind is, of thing? Yeah. So, uh, so I think that that's part of what you want to reveal to somebody is that we're all in this journey together. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I start with my background of, Hey, I came from the military. I was command and control, you know, through and through and, and, and kind of talking about the, you know, the struggle of, of evolving is something that we're all trying to get through. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, just revealing to somebody that there isn't a, you know, a, a magic unicorn or, or any way to just wave and become different, that it's a struggle for all of us, I think, is, is a way to help someone be okay with becoming a different observer of themselves and how they interact with the team. That first thing, though, having those distinctions that there is a different way, uh, and then through practice and, and with somebody else who's going through the same journey, you know, mutually revealing to each other what you're learning is, is one way to help, you know, 
as and we're all going through it, right? We're all trying to learn how to be better. There's this part of me so that's wanting to say like, well, one, you don't get to correct their behavior. Two, there is a different <laughs> way. And three, you're the reason it's not happening. <laughs> like I think, I think that's a, to me, like, I and good. I know it's negative. I think that's I, shock therapy approach. Well, it is, but yeah. I, I, part of it for me is always acknowledging that I am my own impediment. Like I am the thing that is blocking me from wherever I'm trying to get to in almost oh, no. every situation. We have met the enemy and he is us. It's a mirror, yeah. I mean, but but that that is, at least from my background, that is really the case. And it's hard, it's hard to see when you don't know that it's there, you know? Yeah, but everybody is. I mean, just, just about, I mean, who hasn't gone through some of this to some degree, right? Well, yeah, I think it's part of transformation. I, I To me, it goes back to there's company transformation, there's also personal transformation when you're moving over to Agile. And and that is a big, this is part of the dissonance that comes up when you make that switch. Yeah, and that's what makes you a good teacher of this too, is that you you have that experience and, and you're able to articulate it. I've screwed it all up so I can help other people. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, guys, thank you very much for doing this. This was great. I really that's my appreciate pleasure. It. Um, all right, so Matt, if folks want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? And before you answer the question, you don't use Twitter, right? No, no, I, I don't really use Twitter. Okay. So you want to give out your street address yeah. or, or, you know. No, best way to reach me is probably <laughs> uh, matt.fisher at leadingagile.com. Okay. So via email. Okay. And you're on LinkedIn. I can put a link to that as well. Yeah, I am on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. But don't try to bother him on Twitter. And Tom? What's yeah, Tom.Churchwell at leadingagile.com also. Okay. I'm on Twitter at tchurchwell, and uh, I think I'm Tom.Churchwell on LinkedIn. Cool. All right, guys. Thank you much, very much yeah, for doing this. my pleasure. If, if you're listening and this was helpful and you've got questions, you can always send them into dave.prior at leadingagile.com. Last name is P-R-I-O-R, and there will be a link uh, for all of our contact information in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and since we are nigh on the uh, holiday season, happy holidays to all of you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks for talking. Thank you.